Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Factions, episode 612. Science Faction, Psychopaths and Ancient Turkish... Uh, that sounds like the premise to a Dan Brown novel, but beside the point, Bobby, you know your classic, hello, and welcome to Science <laughs> Faction. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Okay, question. This is, I, I go back in time. Uh-huh. I prevent the movie Mrs. Doubtfire from ever being made. Yes, this will affect us in a lot of other ways, but I don't think you'd have that hello in your brain. No, 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 no. Yeah, this is one of those uh, mistakes people commonly make, is I was actually the one who inspired Robin Williams on that one. Like, people think, you know, oh, Bobby must have gotten that from Mrs. Stoutfire. In fact, I came up with it. Robin Williams, a famous comedy joke thief. And most people, a lot of people outside of comedy don't know this. He, he was pretty famous for being a, a joke thief. They actually had this a special true. light on at like uh, the co- a couple of the, the comedy places in San Francisco near where he lived that they would turn on, like instead of the red light to get off the stage, they turn on this blue light that meant he was coming in and you should watch your jokes because he might steal them. Does it just get real silent? Like you can't use jokes or you just start using Robin Williams' jokes at that point? So he can't cannibalize yeah, it. Because think... you, otherwise you have a choice. Am I just going to suck? Am I not going to use any? I was preparing for a great closer. Yeah, I mean, they're they're probably at mics and stuff where it's not worth losing a joke just to get the reaction from the audience. And so, yeah, then you just, I would actually just start doing your jokes because I was like, oh, take these, Robin, you can have them. Or you just start humping the stool. Like that's any, when he's in, <laughs> the light's yes. on, you, that's, that's your, so if you guys ever go to a comedy club and they start humping the stool, it's not that the comedian sucks. It's that mm-hmm. he's protecting his jokes from a joke thief somewhere in the auditorium, and it's probably Damien. Yes, 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 yes. Because Robin already took my hello. He took uh, a bunch of jokes from other famous comedians uh, and all of our hearts. I like the idea of like Robin Williams, like, oh, what's this British nanny? I've read this script, and but how is he gonna? Uh, how's how's Mrs. Doubtfire gonna say this hello line? And then he was walking past this pudgy eighth grader at the time. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and yes. you were greeting us all with hello, and then he stole it from you. Yes, I believe I was actually much much younger than the eighth grade. Yeah. But yes, Rather that is fairly accurate grade, yeah. to what was well, going that on. Pudgy, that, that pudgy fourth grader has something there. He's got one hell of a hello. That's what I already always said about me. One hell of a hello. That and Robin Williams stole your hello. Nobody has ever, literally, ever fucking said that about you. Oh, and speaking of the Robin Williams of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my hostess with the mostest, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. I'm like the Pierce Brosnan, uh, if we're doing the uh, Mrs. Doubtfire analogy. You're Robin Williams. I'm Pierce Brosnan. Mm. I am the sexy British man that you throw fruit at. Hmm. No, no, I'm just going to say, yeah. no, no, I'm going to say you're Hugh Grant, but only when he's trying to pick up the hooker. What people thought was crazy was that he was apparently, he was like dating Elizabeth Hurley, like the, the most beautiful woman at the time. And they're like, oh, you know, sure. he banged a prostitute. He hired a sex worker. He stimulated the local economy. Thanks, Hugh. I appreciate what you did. Also, I mean, to to your point, Elizabeth Hurley is very hot. And just based on her hotness, there is a lot of stuff she will not do. But like... Look you in the eyes. Yeah. 
Like, if you're Hugh Grant, you gotta find somebody to, like, uh, like call you racial slurs while they spank you with fucking a, a stick of butter rubbed across a, a paddling paddle. Like, you have to find somebody other than Elizabeth Hurley to do that. That's just science. Well, Elizabeth Hurley. By the way, yeah, I love that we're talking, like, early 2000s heartthrobs. Like, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, I believe the rumor was she was a huge bitch. So, you know. Yeah. It all works out. And if you're not a huge bitch and would love to support this show, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can look up Robert Timothy on Patreon, where you get a whole new episode of the show every single week. This isn't like a once a month, you get a new episode. No, every week you get two science factions. You can go listen to our I Call BS, in which we have developed a brand new system in which I give Damien fairly obvious hints. Uh, I'm going to start giving what I call... Uh, spoiler alerts away, which means that uh, as I'm doing the show, I will let you know before I give the hint because some have claimed that the hints are too obvious and, and too Who easy the to get. Fuck? But regardless, no, no, I'm, I'm, no. I've, I've I've said show me the email a lot, but I will I will uh, walk off. I will go on strike right now unless you show me that email. I will walk off. <laughs> I thought you were about to put a name behind that. Uh, like I will walk off, Jim. And I just imagined you guys going for a nice nice stroll that also involved a simultaneous hand job. Your date with Jim sounds lovely, but you're distracting me from my point. Man, what's Jim doing right now? Just thinking of all this hot walk-off action. I can't even concentrate on anything else. Me and Jim from the office, strolling in Scranton, giving each other HJs. So go ahead and check out our Patreon. You'll not only get a whole extra episode of Science Faction every single week. If you are a high enough donor, you will get one of our new shirts or sweatshirts, which are awesome. And on top of that, you will get a shout out on this, the main show. You may have heard a bunch of them. And here is our new, if you can do in the next week, Patreon special, you will get a non-Alex Jones shout out. Now we've had a lot of Alex Jones shout outs in the last few months. So we wanted to make it special. If, if you become a Patreon within the next week, your, your shout out will not be an Alex Jones. Will it be crazy voice Copernicus? Will it be Jane Goodall making some offensive comments about having sex with Sasquatch? Will it be Richard Dawkins? We don't know. All I can tell you, a non-Alex Jones shout out. Okay. As long as we're making demands in other people's uh uh, uh, territory, as long as we're shitting in other people's toilets. Sure. I will see the rule book for I Call BS. It will be presented to me. Also, you will present to me the emails about Uh people who present to me me being wrong. Uh Uh-huh. Because if I don't see them, I, I can't keep Alex Jones off of my microphone. He's a very strong man. He takes your shirt off. I hope you have like an Amazon Web Services account because we're going to need a big ass <laughs> server if you want to see all these emails. Just give me a sample of five. I can't. I can't. That's not even legal. I can't. There's too many to give you a sample of five. Like the- even if I were if if I were to give you a sample, no matter how big I wanted it to be, just because of the size of the data set, the sample would be over a million. That's just that's just math. I realized that I actually set that number low because Bobby's actually crazy enough. And I say this as one of his best friends. Um, sure. That if I had said like five and he was like, done, Bobby would go home and write five emails. That would, as if I, just, I just had how to make the number you? high enough to, to, to make it not worth his time. That's what I would have to do. First of all, how dare you assume that's not worth my time? Second of all, how dare you assume I he would, would do that? He would name the email addresses funny shit too. Yeah. Like it would be Damien sucks at, at I call BS. At Gmail. Hello, my name is Wally Wolliford, and I just wanted to let you know that I love science faction. However, Damien's small penis, which I can hear through the microphone. It's as if you've read some of these emails. <laughs> you son of a bitch. All right, Alex Jones, uh, <laughs> Alex Jones will be showing up my house. 
on our regular on our recording schedule. He has nowhere else to go. He doesn't have another recording. Lee literally doesn't. No, certainly no home or children. All right, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. Let me in, Damon. Let me in, Damon. <laughs> the nice thing about Alex Jones, if you wanna, you wanna keep him out. Uh, it's a lot like. If you got like a a standard pit bull, like a standard size, not the big old American like pit bulls and stuff, like like the 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 standard size, like thirty some odd pound pit bulls, it's like if you got to keep them in a yard, like yeah, they're a dangerous dog. You do not want them getting out. Nobody wants to deal with that dog if it gets out. But it really only takes a four foot fence or wall because they're not very large dogs. That is a similar case with Alex Jones. Yes, he's dangerous. Yes, no one wants to deal with him. But a four-foot cinder block wall will keep him out of Fort Knox. <laughs> he kept trying to Kool-Aid man through my four-foot wall. And no, he's like, covered in blood in Jones, Alex Jones' uh, uh, shirt. Yeah, he was actually, biologically speaking, he was originally classified under the Lamarckian system as a wombat because of his inability to climb over even small concrete walls. <laughs> yeah, but because I'm a wombat, I'll tunnel under. <laughs> and his morphological similarity to a wombat. <laughs> he does have that body. Yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> yeah, but he, now he's burrowing under my wall. You see, the way I would have done it is I would have put like uh, the way you trap a raccoon is you put something they want in it and then yes. you put like a like a like a pickle. They grab the yeah. pickle, but they have to reach into this this like uh, tube and this tube has nails that trap it. Yeah. I do the same thing with like a bowl of chili. I'm, yes, <laughs> I just hear a lot of screaming in my backyard. Yeah, yeah, he might eventually dip the bowl of chili out and then lose interest. So you might you might want to try with something different. Like what a Hunter Biden's computer. I'm gonna say an MRE. That has the word ice cream on it. He'll be like, hell, I've never had one of them. How'd they keep it cold? I get it. I get it. <laughs> I don't think he'd gnaw his arm off. If he was like attached to a vending machine, it'd be like he'd be pulling yeah. a vending machine through my backyard. Yeah, that'd be about right. All right. Article number one, the psychopath brain discovered. <laughs> I know it's in my backyard trying to free itself from a chili trap. <laughs> This is a conspiracy. It's the mixture of the frogs. They're going gay. They're trying to catch Alex Jones out here so they can go gay on Alex Jones. No sorry, <laughs> frogs. Not today, Kermit. Now all this talking about frog sex is giving me an erection. <laughs> Which is exactly what they were planning. All right, fine. I'll have sex with like two frogs. You win, Hillary. You win. Oh, uh, dear. So this is an incredibly exciting article. I think it's going to fly totally under the radar. I bet you will not hear about this anywhere else, and I am going to tell you, I think this is incredibly important and is going to have impacts throughout the rest of your life. In that, all the times that we're going to see a psychopath brain, and I'll be like, ah, my father was a psychopath. I'm glad I showed up at this autopsy. This very complete <laughs> dismantling of a human. Well, first of all, we are going to show up to that autopsy no matter what. We'll just bring popcorn, hang out. It'll be great. Yeah, I really didn't know you in real life, Dad. It's good to know you in this way. <laughs> oh, you had no balls. That's why you couldn't be a dad. Oh, no, there they are. Oh, my God. There they are. Let's kind of hammer out what a psychopath is. Now, like, this isn't in the DSM or anything. It's not like you could find a definition of a psychopath. Uh, what we would refer to as a psychopath kind of fits under antisocial personality and, and a couple of other things. But it's not like you're going to open that up and, and see the list of traits a psychopath has. 
Is it kind of a spectrum as well? Whereas like maybe Ted yes. Bundy like uh, is on one end and then like yeah. maybe um, Jeff Bezos can, can, yeah. can imitate human emotions a bit better on the other. Absolutely. And, and what we're seeing is a variety of different reactions to something we would call empathy, you know, the ability to empathize with other people, to feel their emotions, to, to sympathize with those emotions, a somewhat coldness and lack of caring or remorse is usually a big one in terms of psychopaths. Libertarianism. That's what you're describing. I see. Not always, but often there's enhanced amounts of violence that can be criminal type violence or it could be sub criminal type violence. You know, the underwater crime. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the guy at work who he's not beating anybody up, but he likes to kind of threaten or insinuate that he's violent. So others are scared of him like that is a hot that doesn't mean he's necessarily a psychopath, but that is certainly something psychopaths do that is not quite violent behavior, but is on that spectrum. That is something that is I have encountered my entire life. And I, I say this as like a guy who walks around very confident. I've always been a big yeah. kind of muscular guy. Not I'm yeah. not I'm I'm six two, I'm not giant, but I, I have like a big frame and I've I've like I've I felt like I could walk a lot of places with confidence. You're freakishly strong. Even for your size, you are freakishly strong. Yeah, I, I broke the school sack record uh, in both sacks yeah. during a season and sacks during a night, just because basically I could manhandle bigger men than me very well from a young yes. age. And that comes from manhandling all of my dad's friends, uh, but it was called something different. <laughs> Anyhow, every once in a while, you I would go to a job and there'd just be this little guy who would like who would say like, "Yeah, you lucky you didn't do that. I'd punch you in the face." And, I, and I'm like, "My mom punches me in the face, bitch, and she has a stronger right than I bet you have." <laughs> Yeah, there, there, there is that. That's kind of like a form of violence. Now, there could also be some insecurity and some narcissism and stuff that goes into that, too. But, but psychopaths will sometimes develop that trait, especially those who can't physically harm others. That is their method of using violence. They also usually have very egocentric thoughts. They think they are way better than they actually are at most or almost anything. And an antisocial personality. Their lack of remorse is somewhat notable. These are the type of people who will get caught doing something horrible and like, you know, you, you, let's say they get caught stealing a something that, a, that belongs to a coworker. These are the people who, if you were there, you would be crawling out of your own skin and being like, I am so sorry. This was such a big mistake. I'm an asshole. This was such a dumb thing, blah, blah, blah. But, and, and their thing is, well, you shouldn't have left it there for me to take. It's kind of your fault, isn't it? Yeah, they'll gaslight you. You need, That's why, like, one-on-one, -on -one, you could never, a psycho will confront you because it's your word against theirs. But, like, once it's two-on-one, -on -one, they kind of have to retreat. But then there's other tactics that go to, you know, a persecution complex of like, oh, you guys are attacking me, blah, blah, blah. But they're, and they're not just annoying, they can be very harmful. So in terms of serial killers, they make up a huge percentage of serial killers. Uh, that's because they do not have remorse. In fact, a lot of them have sadistic tendencies. And so they actually take pleasure from harming other people. Uh, but in general, they don't feel that remorse. And so oftentimes they make up a huge percentage of serial killers. But here's a crazy one. They also, and people who are similarly in that antisocial cluster B personality disorder thing category, they also make up the majority of child molesters. We've talked about this a few times on the show, and it's still, it is one of the most interesting facts of psychology I ever learned that nobody seems to know or talk about, which is that 
most pedophiles are not child molesters, and most child molesters are not pedophiles, which still to this day blows my fucking mind, but most pedophiles, at least in modern first world societies, understand the consequences of their actions. They may be attracted, that's what it means to be a pedophile, to young children, but they're like, fuck it, I'm not going to jail, so they don't do it. So most pedophiles don't actually offend, at least that's what we think. But most of the individuals, the child molesters that, that attack children, they're not actually pedophiles, they're just psychopaths or sociopaths who want to hurt somebody, and children happen to be the easiest target, they're the least able to defend themselves, they're not necessarily attracted to children, they're just out to offend, and kids are easier. Think about that. Not only do psychopaths then make up serial killers, not only do they make up the person who's the fucking annoying short dude at work David was just talking about, they also contribute the most to child molestation. This is one group that between murder, oh, by the way, also uh, uh, very high propensity to sexual violence like rape. So when we're talking about like murders, rapes, molesting children, they are a group that makes up the, a huge percentage of the people who do that. Think of what that does to our society. That is crazy to me. And I'm, I've learned that we do good science on the show. And if there's ever anything wrong, you know, you uh, will correct it. So I, I, I yeah. always take what we say here as, uh, as, as something straight out of the journal, straight from the scientist's mouth. We're just a middleman yeah. giving it to you. But this is one of those things that still, even knowing that, blows my mind because think of the guy you see on Chris Hansen's whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think that they are no different than the guy who like is like, f f drops into a woman's DMs late at night. Like, I don't yes. know you, but I'm just fishing because I have this, I, I have an erection and it just shuts off everything else about me. I'm a beagle following a scent. I am under, I am, my erection's pointing me towards your DMs. Does the guy who drops into an, a DM unwanted to some married woman's thing profile in the middle of the night, something every woman has to deal with, you know, is that person a psychopath? You know, maybe I, I, think, I think he's following his dick, like, just like the guy that you see on Chris Hansen, like, but think about that. Think about that, what it means. I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot. I mean, make up a huge percentage of violent crimes and, and people in prison, you know, a huge percentage of rapes, huge percentage of serial killers, child molesters, everything. So what if we got rid of these people, which only make up about 1% of the total population, and they're responsible for a gigantic percentage of our overall violent and sexual crimes? What if we got rid of psychopaths? We would live in a fucking utopia. Could you imagine if we essentially eliminated child molestation, serial killers, and a lot of the violent rapes that went on. Like, 1% of the population is causing 80-some-odd percent of, of these types of crimes. This is nuts! Like, when you break down the numbers, this is something where you're like, oh my god, the world is so much different than I thought it was. I thought there were regular people kind of doing bad stuff, and that happens, of course that's a story. But those are not the serial killers who have a 45-person body count. Those are not the serial rapists who, who assault 100 women in their lifetime. Those are not the, the serial CEO. child Predators. Who slowly murders the earth for future generations, who, who creates programs, effortlessly will sign a paper to say, you know what? I know there's a Cleveland town that loves this factory, but hey, there's a bunch of children in Indonesia that need this work. Yeah. They're getting lazy over there, losing fingers in machines. Yeah, it is crazy. So I have always been very interested in psychopath stuff. I have been interested in it for a few reasons, but mainly it was because if we could if we could like figure out who these people are and maybe we could do treatment. Right now we don't really have a treatment that works for that. So maybe we could do a treatment, but 
more likely we could at least notify ourselves that these are psychopaths because the problem with psychopathology is they frequently can blend into society very easily. So we could figure this out, monitor them, and basically eliminate a lot of serial killers, serial rapists, and child predators. What do you think of this? So this isn't a joke because this is something that, that uh, this is an important thing. Uh, sure. You know, there, there are two different types of uh, psychopaths, really. I mean, there's a lot, but I mean, really, you're born with it or you're created. You're a regular person who is subjected to... Well, we don't a, know a, that. Oh, I mean, I thought I thought prisons basically were psychopath factories. Not everybody no. became a psycho, but like a, a harsh system basically created you, like killed empathy and taught... It would be pretty hard to for us to think a prison would actually do that, like maybe a juvenile facility, but most of this stuff is cemented long before you would even be eligible to go into a prison. Or a shitty home, like uh, like a shitty yes. home where you're where you're where you're damaged, you know, like the yeah. uh, like those uh, those uh, so fall the Soviet Union uh, adoption agencies or uh, orphanages, yes. right? I- I've had friends who are borderline psychopathic or maybe perhaps just sociopathic, and I've suggested sure. you know maybe we just you give them a long a guided acid trip, you dose them, like you dart them or something, and use hallucinogenics to an ayahuasca trip, take it to see a shaman. They're not going to have the same reaction, I don't think, because I, I, I certainly am aware that there are plenty of sociopaths and psychopaths who have used hallucinogens and that, that has not cured anything. You know, I, I just don't, I, the parts of their brain are not going to react the same way because they just have a different brain thing. And then that's kind of what they were looking at in this study is they wanted to see, could we find a physical difference in between psychopaths and non-psychopaths? And the answer was Yes. And this is insanely important because, again, we just talked about what our world would look like if we didn't have psychopaths running around. Well, if we could at least identify them, we can keep the bad stuff from happening. And for the first time in the history of mankind, we now have a physiological, a physical ability to at least correlate to psychopathology. We're going to need follow-up studies to see if this is necessary and sufficient and, and how often, you know, normal people overlap in this. But what they found through fMRI studies was that psychopaths or people who tested high on the psychopathic spectrum tended to have a much larger, noticeably larger striatum, which is a part of the brain that includes the cerebellum and a bunch of other stuff. And it was at least 10% larger in these people. And we think that might be part of it. Now, causation correlation, we don't know if they started out with this kind of weird brain and, and that's why they act differently, or if something happened to them, they got some kind of head trauma that caused the brain issue and that's why they're acting this way, or if the bad treatment they had growing up caused their brain to develop it about, we don't know yet. But the fact that we could spot a physiological thing in the brain, say this person looks like they are a psychopath, could that could change our society. It would. That'd be great. I, I agree. Uh, but I think we, call me crazy, uh, but I thought we had talked about something like this. It was an AI that was let loose on uh, basically yes. uh, looking at people's eyes or facial expressions. And yes. that could pick things out. And I feel like that's a lot easier than scanning every brain. Yes, but the problem with that becomes, you know, one, how level, how great is your accuracy to that? How many like chemicals or something? Because if you're just looking at the, the responses somebody has, you know, what, what does that mean? But being able to actually measure somebody's brain and see this, we could start different treatment options. We could see the effectiveness of those treatment options based on the size of this. And you might say, why would having a bigger version of this part of your brain do this? Well, the answer is we have noticed before that the larger the striatum, the more sensation it takes for individuals, the more sensation seeking they are. So maybe 
maybe the more thrill-seeking. And maybe, because we do see in psychopathic and sociopathic individuals that they do need a lot of simulation to feel something, which is why some of them tend to do a lot of extreme things, maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe what we're seeing is, you know, uh, this enlarged striatum takes a lot more to be stimulated, and that is part of the process. Again, it could also be that both of these are correlated to something else. There's a different part of the brain that causes problems, and that also causes enlarged striatum and, of course, all the other psychopathic traits. What is the main difference between a sociopath and a, and a psychopath? Well, again, these are these are not DSM definitions. These are almost colloquial yes, What does the dick-sucking manual have to do with anything? Yes, I have my copy by my bed. And they'll get they'll get divided up differently, by the way, by, by different definitions. Some people will say like, oh, a sociopath socio uh, is, is somebody who is actually made that way by society. They've been damaged, whereas a psychopath, uh, you know, something is wrong with their brains. And so they're doing something. Uh, some will, will utilize whether or not there's a degree of sadism or something. So they're, they're somewhat interchangeable terms, depending on who you are talking to. That's why you'll hear me sometimes use the term cluster B personality disorder, which kind of describes these as well as narcissism as this kind of spectrum that has these traits that cause a lot of problems in our society. I mean, these are personality disorders. So if you take away like mental disorders like schizophrenia, I don't think you could find anything that causes more problems in our society than cluster B personality disorders. And they're and, and they're and they're far less redeeming. Like if somebody says like I have a disability, you know, like I legitimately have a disability. It's not like somebody has Parkinson's or something. There's less sympathy for the person with cluster B personality disorder. <laughs> That's true. And it's inter- it will be interesting to know whether that's, you know, that's valid or not. Because, you know, maybe if it is just a brain thing, maybe that is we should treat them like anybody else who has a brain problem. Now, listen, I'm not in I'm not saying, hey, go find out if they have a psychopathic brain. And then if they do, uh, you know, off them or put them in jail ahead of time or something. Uh, what I'm saying instead is then we put down two people because I, th- I would think you need psychopathic tendencies. That's right. That's true. That's a good that. point. That's a good point. What I would say instead is this will allow us to pick those people out and look at them for treatment or at least analyze what they are doing and what's going on and keep an eye on them. But mainly what it would allow us to do is keep them from kind of being the wolf in sheep's clothing roaming around our society without us knowing. You know, Dennis Rader, you know, we were talking about like BTK and stuff. He was like fucking working at his church and a family, man. A lot of these people are like that and they're just blending in. And at least this way, this is like a... I don't know, like a fucking DNA test for your brain to be able to look at it and say, shit, this this person's got something wrong with them. And I think that would be an incredibly useful tool to completely change our society. Yeah, I think a lot of shitty people uh, hide in the church. But I mean, listen, I don't know, maybe we do an island that we put them all on. Whatever it is, if we could get rid of that segment of our society or at least mitigate them or treat them or do something, we would live in a fucking utopia and one that no other society in human history has had the benefit of living in because they couldn't get these people the fuck out of the tribe. We we restructure the country. We make Mississippi a psychopath island, basically, quote unquote. You're, hey, you guys get a whole state. Sure. But we do need an actual island. There's psychopaths are pretty motivated. I, I guess we're going to have to go Hawaii. Oh, God. We're gonna, <laughs> what about like, okay, but we're giving them one with the lepers. Fair enough. Now, this isn't the first study to ever look at the striatum and say this has something to do with psychopathology. In fact, they looked at it because a previous study had noticed just kind of like slightly enlarged striatum 
in psychopathic men. It had not noticed it in women. And this study cleared up that it, that it was present in women too. But it was just like, eh, we kind of see this thing. This actually looked at everything, analyzed it, found the amount of difference, 10% difference, and found that it was, was fairly uniform. So very interesting. I'm super excited to see follow-up research. I want to see big end numbers. I want to see huge things. Now, these, these weren't small end numbers. It's like 300-something plus. So not tiny, but we do need some bigger ones to kind of reinforce this. This is so fucking cool, man. If we could get rid of, you know, HIV or cluster B personality disorders, our world would instantly be absolutely 10 times better if we went the cluster B personality disorder route as opposed to something like HIV. That That is how much this impacts and affects our world. Fuck, a person who, who happens to suffer from one of these from one of these conditions happens to be invading another country right now. Like, this is a worldwide issue of all people in all places, and if we could figure it out and solve it, we would be living in the utopia that, like, religious groups have dreamed of for eons. If we identified this uh, technology in the 60s and let's say enacted it in the 70s, you know, when things got done, do you think uh, we would have the same 45th president of the United States? Maybe. I mean, (laughs) being wealthy gets you out of a lot of things. Yeah. All right. Article number two, ancient DNA and the story of Europe. This is uh, this doesn't sound like a Dan Brown book. This sounds more like a um, Jared Diamond book. Well, this is really interesting. I love doing stories about early European DNA for two reasons. Number one, I love ancient DNA studies. Those are some of my absolute favorite. Uh, Read every single one that comes through. You guys only get to hear about half of them. Uh, But number two is I love telling people that all Europeans are just Turkish people and and it tends to really piss people off. Especially, and I don't know why this is, racists in general, obviously, but especially Irish people. Damien, do you remember a long time ago, (laughs) you dated a very, very dumb woman who happened to be of, like, Irish descent. Not actual Irish, like, she didn't fucking, like, wear green or fuck a leprechaun. Like, 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 let me tell you the way redneck culture works. It doesn't matter what you were. It, like, once you're here, like, in the early 2000s, being Irish was really fucking cool. So if you were, like... You know, and no person is no American immigrant whose family's been here for multi generations is one hundred percent Irish. You're thirty yes. percent German, but they would really cling to that five percent Irish. Yes, and and so yes, I remember the go on the the conversation you're talking about. Like she rocked her world. She was offended, well, wildly offended, so offended, which was great because I remember she was like she said something like uh, I think I was actually commenting on this. She's like, yeah, I'm Irish. And I'm like, well, no, you're American. And she was, she was like, well, I'm Irish. I was I, uh, my family was Irish longer than it was American. And I was like, oh, really? Well, when did they come over here? And they're like, well, my great grandfather came over here. And I was like, OK, wait. So you've been here for like your family's been here for 150 years. You have no idea how long they were in Ireland, but it wouldn't have been for more than a few thousand years. We know that from the genetic data. And your family was in Africa for a lot longer than that. So why don't you call yourself African? And she had a monocle drop moment. What's the white trash version? A a dip drop moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then like she would bring up, well, according to Bobby, I'm not Irish. Like, well, you know, listen to what he's saying. You, you have a rich history, you know, like if you were to meet all of your ancestors uh, all throughout the line, you're really only giving credit to a pretty small portion of all the yeah. yous that came before you. So much like your ex-girlfriend, I love pissing people off with stories about uh, ancient European DNA, especially because in the last 10 or 15 years, we have figured out that basically 
All those hunter-gatherers of Europe got fucked. They're gone. You're not actually Irish. You're fucking Turkish, right? Because what we found out happened is Turkey happens to be basically the cradle of agriculture in the Middle East. We know agriculture started other places, Mesoamerica, New Guinea, China, maybe other places as well, like the Indus Valley, but certainly one of the spots in the Middle East. And what we see happen is in places like Anatolia, also uh, most of which is now Turkey, in, in places like that, we have the ancestors of modern wheat growing wildly, which is why we could have places like Chattelhuyuk, the first ever town at like 9,000 BC. We could have places like Gobekli Tepe, which was just done by hunter-gatherers who were, who were doing monumental architecture at the time because you essentially had wheat growing everywhere just naturally. You just happened to be lucky and born in that place. Well, those people also started farming that wheat eventually. And what happened is about 8,000 years ago, they started spreading out, out of that area into the rest of Europe and taking over. We've known this from previous genetic studies, but this one, one of the biggest of its time, really solidified a lot of the stuff. It solidified, first of all, where the origin point for those ancient Turkish farmers was. And it turns out to be a mixture of two different hunter-gatherer groups who were widely dispersed and hadn't had contact for thousands of years, maybe like 20,000 years. They had been widely, widely, widely dispersed. And then for some reason they got together and created a new culture within Anatolia that ended up becoming the first farmers and spreading out from there. And as they spread out, they went down the Danube and into Europe. And what we find is that they mixed in a little bit with the native populations, but in general, Basically, Turkish DNA just moves from Anatolia throughout Europe, replaces almost everybody. It takes them longer in some places, you know, up to, to England and Ireland. It might take them might take them till about 4,000 years ago. But basically from 8,000, 4,000 years ago, all of the original hunter-gatherers, the quote-unquote real Europeans, went fucking extinct. Yeah, and it happened because all these farmers kept putting up land. And then, you know, these hunter-gatherers would come, you know, by asking if they could stay in the rain. And the farmer would be like, yeah, you could stay, but I need you to stay away from my beautiful farm daughter. <laughs> and every time the guy, the, the guy could not keep his promise and he had to be killed. And slowly yes. but surely, their cultures were replaced with hot farm daughter threats. And it makes sense because these were uh, obviously early Turkish women and few people realize this, but early European hunter-gatherers, because it's so cold, were extremely attracted to body hair. <laughs> All right, we couldn't make blankets this year, so I expect you to lay with my daughter and keep her warm with your hair. But again, no sexual relations with my beautiful daughter. But it's a great example of almost complete DNA replacement of these Anatolian farmers. By the way, the same thing would happen again a few thousand years later when new Anatolia, Anatolian farmers would come through. This time, instead of sporting farming, which was old news at that point, uh, they had animal domestication. And they kind of came through and did the same thing and also kind of replaced those people that had been existing there, or at least a lot of them. And so between those two huge migrations of replacement... Basically, there are no actual European hunter-gatherers left, or at least very, very little of their genes. Yeah, if that happened, then explain Dublin baklava. What? I'm trying to find like a dessert from one culture to the other. Like what would be a traditional Turkish food that was made Irish? Let's flip it the other way and do something traditionally Irish for Turkish. Then explain why Turkish husbands occasionally beat their wives. <laughs> it's the it Irish feedback loop. You know, we mean to, you know, I know that sounded like an Irish joke, like Irish beat their wives. We want you to know that that's a Catholic joke. 
in that I heard that joke about Irish guys beating their wives while I was in church. <laughs> that Dublin mass. Oh, dear. Thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 612, where you learned all about an exciting new discovery about the psychopathic brain and all about the ancient DNA of Europe. Thank you for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 613. Mic check. One, two. I saw you said not Alex Jones. Oh, yes. Oh, we'll yes, get... you'll, you'll hear this. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, um, I hate to break it to you. If you try to say Alex Jones can't be here, he's going to be at your door like a puppy dog. <laughs> like he'd be whining, like whimpering outside your door. <laughs> I don't have a show anymore, Bobby. I need this. I imagine this is like a fight club type path to entry where I must stand motionless outside your door for three days and three nights. <laughs> I will become your disciple, please. <laughs> Except Alex, Alex Jones doesn't do motionless, so I will spend the entire time doing a perfect rendition of the Macarena. <laughs> if, if you could just hum it for me, though, I don't have a good sense of rhythm. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I've been, I've been doing the Macarena for only two hours here on your porch, and the, the sexual vibes I've been sending out to the women of your neighborhood are, are set to start a riot. And yes, I might have removed my shirt. I am a 240-pound man at 80 degree eight, dancing the Macarena silently for three days. All right, are you already <laughs> recording? It, I was recording that, so if you'd like to actually use that yes. at the end. Oh, dear. All right, uh, 612 in. Five, four, three, two. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right. <laughs>